The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the School. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, man? Hey, how's everybody doing? Glad to be back for another week. Glory to God. <laughs> another score is brought to you each and every week by CSPN. You can find us on the web at www.cspn.us. You can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. You can also find us through any app for iPhone or Android. So, Dwayne, we'll get right into the week in sports. We'll start with the NBA. The Houston Rockets, they keep chugging right along. They've won 15 straight. They, you know, pretty much held down the number one team in the NBA position for the last month, solid. Golden State's made a couple of runs at them, but they've been able to hold them off. So people are starting to really consider the Rockets as a contender. Is it time to really start focusing in on the Rockets as the team to represent the Western Conference in this year's NBA Finals? This is a very good question. And after seeing that game yesterday between the Celtics and Rockets, where it was a very wild one, and the Rockets pulling it off, I think that you have to consider the Houston Rockets as a legitimate title contender to the Warriors. However, it comes down to defense, and can the Rockets keep up that defensive intensity that the Golden State Warriors have throughout this run that they've had over the last few years or so? That's going to be the biggest difference because you have a coach who traditionally doesn't believe in defense in Mike D'Antoni. You have a player who's really much maligned on defense a lot, James Harden. Uh, Chris Paul is really one of the best defensive stoppers, always among the league leaders in steals. You got Clint Capella in the middle. And it's going to be very interesting. I think this is a different kind of D'Antoni team. I don't think he's ever had a rim protector like this, like his days in in Phoenix. And we're just going to acknowledge the Phoenix D'Antoni because the Knicks and the Lakers D'Antoni was not good at all. So... It's really going to be one of those things where you just have to just watch it play out. It's been a beautiful thing. Greeks are always fun to watch. You know, it's always interesting to see how far they will go. But right now, I think the Rockets, they're playing well, but they have to really match that Warriors' intensity on defense if they get to the conference finals and meet up with them. Yeah, I think that's the thing that separates the Warriors from most teams in the NBA. Most teams in the NBA can probably score with them, you know, basket for basket per se. But it's just that when the Warriors lock in on defense, they take it to a whole nother level. And nobody's really on that level in the NBA or they can't get to that level and make it work for like a half or a whole quarter. And when the and when the Warriors play really good defense, for a quarter or half a quarter, you know, the three start falling, they get that energy going. And the next thing you know, you know, it's a blowout and they're sitting down in the fourth quarter, you know? So exactly. 
you know, I so like you said, I think that's going to be the telltale sign of it all is if they do match up with each other, can the Rockets sustain their defense to maybe keep the Warriors at 105? You know, instead of you know one fifteen, because you know right. I don't I don't see these games being in the nineties <laughs> at all. At all, too much offensive firepower for that to happen. Right. So you know, like last night's game was one o one o three one hundred or something like that. One o two one o three something like that. I want to say one twenty three to one twenty. One twenty three to one twenty. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, the uh, Marcus Smart got pushed out of bounds a little bit there on that final shot, but you know. It, yeah, and that kind of disappointed me, but it's kind of karma because of the way the the first game between them and Boston kind of ended with uh, Smart and James Harden right. and the controversial no call. So I think it was kind of like a, a favor back to James Harden for that. Yeah, but again, very entertaining game. But you know, look how high that score is, and if you're gonna exactly hold your hat on outscoring the Warriors, uh, Houston's probably Good the luck. only team that could probably do it. Right, and I don't know if they can do it for four games in a row. At that, yeah, so very tough to do. Um. On our next topic, we'll just talk about the dysfunction that reigns within the. Cleveland Cavaliers still as J.R. Smith got suspended one game for throwing a bowl of soup on or at or near Damon Jones. Now, of course, there's lots of comedy involved here. What kind of soup was J.R. eating? Why would he throw this cup of soup at Damon Jones? What did Damon Jones do to provoke a man who was eating a cup of soup in Cleveland, where I'm assuming it is very cold outside, to part with his bowl of soup? Dwayne, do you have uh, any thoughts, any inquiries on <laughs> to what happened between J.R. Smith and Damon Jones? When I heard this, I cracked up. I don't know. I was thinking chicken noodle soup, uh, beef mo- uh, minestrone soup. Um... Manhattan clam chowder. Maybe Damon Jones said something about the Knicks, and or he probably said some, said New England clam chowder is better, which it is. I don't know what could have been said. What could have been? What could have provoked a man to part ways with soup like that? But the jokes on the internet that ran for that day were hilarious and. I just don't, yeah, I have no idea why a man would throw a bowl of soup at somebody. Like, did the bowl break? Was it a plastic bowl? Was it a cup of noodles? I mean, that's 99 cents you can always get back, but a cup of noodles? Like, I don't know. This is J.R. Smith. That would be my guess that he had a cup of noodles. (laughs) And so it's just funny how J.R. Smith can... I mean, we always talk about you want to get the pipe, J.R. Smith, to now throwing a bowl of soup, J.R. Smith. So it seems like no matter where he goes, there's always some kind of hilarious controversy that follows him. And the man just can't stay out of the news for reasons other than basketball. Right. And he's kind of struggling right now. So this isn't the best time for him to be, you know, having antics. 
Um, luckily, he's past the trading deadline, so GM LeBron can't trade him. But you never know. They could, you know, deactivate him or something like that. It just right. continues on. So hopefully, this you know, this, you know, hopefully, you know, it was nothing serious. Maybe they were just horsing around and it got a little bit too serious. And, you right. know, it's all good. But, yeah, the jokes and well, just the speculation was, was definitely very injured. Well, if he was in a slump, did he hit Damon Jones <laughs> or did he miss Damon Jones? So that's the, another question that I have in the process, too. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many um, unanswered questions that, you know, that need to be answered for us to, you know, have full, you know, closure on this matter. But, you know, hopefully J.R. Smith can get his head right and, and, and help the Cavs because they're going to need they're going to need him to get through this playoff run. And, you know, he was a big part of why they won the championship a couple of years ago. And wherever they go this year, he's probably going to be a big part of that, too. So hopefully he can get his game together. Uh, speaking of the Cavs, um, let's talk about LeBron out here. We got the LeBron rules as uh, LeBron clearly put his hands on the referee. Uh, two hands on the referee and extended. So that would uh, con- result in a push and uh, nothing happened to him. He wasn't suspended. He wasn't given the technical. He wasn't fined. So um, I guess that's a clear signal that uh, we are clearly in LeBron's world when it comes to the NBA. We are. And, and we definitely are. And I was just like, if that was just the, 12th guy on the bench for the worst team in the NBA. He would have got ejected and probably suspended for a game, but when you're the biggest star in the NBA, the biggest star in the world, this is pretty much your era. And yeah, this is something that this is something that, hey, we need to address. And, you know, I don't think the NBA is going to lose a whole bunch of dollars. I don't think the referees and the players we already had bad blood between them. They're not gonna start to anger one of the most prom one of the players most prominent guys. So it's not surprising in a sense, but it's it's just it's kind of sad and laughable in a sad way because if this was anybody else, if this was not even a fellow superstar because it's LeBron so he really does have the moniker of King James because it's his like you said it's his world in the, when it comes to the NBA everybody else is just in it I think other superstars when he got suspended for a game other stars when he got suspended other players so yeah it's just LeBron and everybody else yeah, it would have been at least they could have at least find him after the fact, you know, like they do sometimes, you know, where they go back and say, oh, we reviewed it and yeah, we issued you a fine. And so, you know, the people who came to see him don't get him, don't get to see him ejected per se. You still get to see him finish the game out, but at least put up the front that he's in the same, you know, you have the same rule book for him that you do for everybody else. Right, and, and they didn't even do that, and I think that was a a big oversight. So we'll see, you know, how that goes, you know, going forward in the playoffs when the games start to matter and the calls become much more critical. Kind of how he acts, and and if he does something like that again, does he get away with it? 
in a much mm-hmm. more critical juncture of the seasons, you know. Right. It's kind of like who does have, who has the, which referee has the guts to just say, hey, this is a foul on you. You're going to just have to take take the foul and and the call against you and stop being a spoiled brat. So. Right. Right. So we'll shift over to the NFL right now. The NFL is in their combine season. So right now, this is the time where the GMs all get together with the scouts and the head coaches and everybody's in wheeling and dealing mode. And the St. Louis, Los Angeles Rams have been one of the most active teams this offseason as they have uh, traded with the Kansas City Chiefs. And now they're trading Robert Quinn to the Miami Dolphins. So Robert Quinn is going to join that already uh, formidable line with Sue and Cameron Wake. Um, so, you know, they're going to be really tough up front, uh, help their defense out. Maybe that's the new way teams are figuring out how to get good is to stack their defensive line and kind of build from the lines out instead of getting the quarterback cut on the shiny pieces first. So, uh, Dwayne, just kind of your thoughts on the Rams, how active they've been in this offseason. Of course, this is a contract year for Robert Quinn. He's coming up in the last year, his deal, so he's going to be a high-priced player for the Rams. So they're trying to, you know, continue their building process. And uh, what does this do for the Dolphins as uh, this is a real critical season for them, especially with Tannehill and uh, their head coach? Yeah, that's a very good question. So, Robert Quinn, he was due a pretty big payday coming up. Uh, with the Rams already focusing on Aaron Donald, uh, you had to make a move because you don't have the stadium in Los Angeles or Inglewood built yet. So, you're still kind of tinkering with um, the pieces on your roster at the moment. So, I think once the Rams start to get things going in terms of their in terms of their stadium situation, once that stadium is built, once that once that um profit comes in, you start to make bigger moves and put more max deals on the contracts. But I think you know losing Robert Quinn is a big loss. But but as long as they can get Aaron Donald back, I think they have enough on the defensive side to still remain a formidable uh, team on that side of the ball. And you still have Wade Phillips as your defensive coordinator. So defensive coordinator Wade much better than head coach Wade. So the Rams will be fine there especially with adding Marcus Peters to the fold. Now you want to talk about the Dolphins with the situation with the defense. And like you said, it's a very formidable front with Wake and Quinn and Sue. And then you have you have the inside linebackers. I want to say Kiko Alonso's on that team too. So you got a really good defensive side of the ball than Xavier Howard at the cornerback spot. So the Dolphins are covered on defense. Like you said, it's a critical year for the offense. You got mediocrity in Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. And, you know, if Jay Cutler's going to come back or not, I think with Tannehill healing up, Cutler's probably going to go back to the booth since his contract is up. And so... 
This is a critical year. I don't think it's a critical year for Adam Gates just yet, even though he did handle the Jay Ajayi situation horribly. Uh, you see how he tried to get rid of him to show the Dolphins a lesson, and Ajayi was a Super Bowl out of it. Um, but it's not a critical year just yet. He did have a successful first year. They regressed significantly because they had the Tannehill injury and then everything else bottomed out. I think the Dolphins will be not a – they'll probably finish third or possibly second in the AFC behind Buffalo New England, but we'll do something All right. Uh, another move that the Dolphins made uh, was a uh, franchise tag their star receiver Jarvis Landry. Now Jarvis Landry has had kind of a up and down relationship with the management and head coach of the Dolphins, but he's their best player, and so they you know don't want to lose him, so they're going to try to you know see if they can get this you know magic year out of him and Tannehill together. Hopefully, you know Tannehill can stay healthy. And with this improved defense, make a run at a wild card. So I talk about Jarvis Landry coming back to the Dolphins and, um, you know, what that does for the wide receiver market as far as with the number that he's going to get and other guys who may be in contract years and uh, going to be kind of basing their contracts off of what he gets. You're still on mute, Dwayne. Okay, my bad. Uh, so the uh, yet oh the Odell Beckham situation in New York, where he's looking for twenty million a year, versus um, you know Antonio Brown. I think he's in the fifteen, sixteen, seventeen million dollar year range. So it's going to be a very competitive market. Uh, Jarvis Landry needs to learn to run north and south and not east to west because. He catches the ball, but he never goes up the field. He's always running towards each sideline, only getting eight or nine yards a catch versus guys who are going vertical and getting, you know, 15 yards, 16 yards, 17 yards a catch. So I like Jarvis Landry's game. He's very elusive when he's when he gets the chance, but – his yards per catch numbers are not that good. He has a lot of catches, but when you're dinking and ducking down the field, it's not really effective. I know this because I had Jarvis Landry on my fantasy team, and when you see 11 catches for 77 yards, you're kind of like, okay, what? Why are you not going up the field? So it's a wait-and-see kind of thing in that situation, honestly. All right. Now, of course, this is the combine, and during the combine, we have some guys that actually show, you know, their athleticism, their strength, their leaping ability, and everybody wanted to see what Saquon Barkley was going to do. He actually ran at the combine. A lot of guys don't run who are the top picks. They wait to their pro days or whatever, but he decided to participate in all the drills, and he put on the show. Uh, He ran a 4-4-40. Uh, at the combine so everybody was definitely impressed it was legit um you know there's a bunch of people who had it confirmed on their watches as everybody has a different you know clicking you know stopping point but you know the consensus was it was legit so i know that this is a you know josh allen or you know sam rosen or you know darnell type uh you know draft or bust but could barkley sneak his way into the number one pick 
I know Cleveland needs a quarterback, but you know maybe they could stick with Kaiser and go for the running back, the best player in the draft. That's a good question. Also, I think Cleveland does need to focus on getting a quarterback. Uh, you know, I would love for Deshaun Kaiser to get another shot, but that season was such a disaster. You have nowhere to go but up, and you need to get the best quarterback available. You have two picks in the top five, and I don't think think on Bucky will be available at number four. I think, if anything, the Colts need running back, so they could get him a little bit higher. I don't, I'm not sure the draft order at the moment, but I do think that you do need to get a a quarterback with the top pick. You know, you know. Speed is very, very much the number one asset in the NFL because a lot of teams are focusing more on speed. But I just think that for the Browns, you need you got the defensive anchor last year at number one, Miles Garrett. Get an offensive anchor to try to stabilize this quarterback black hole that is in your that is in your franchise. It's going to be very interesting because the Giants are two. They have the second pick, and they're in that weird situation where it's like they need a running back. They've needed a running back for quite some time. They need, like, a really good offensive lineman. They've needed one of those for quite some time, and they need a quarterback. So it's like the three, you know, positions that are usually the most coveted in the in the draft, they need somebody at all three of those, and they got the number two pick. So they're going to have a really hard decision to make. Um, it looks like they're going to try to stick with Eli, so maybe they'll try to do the quarterback in the later rounds of the draft. And, yeah, right. and then maybe it'll come down to an offensive lineman or the running back. And what, do you, what would you do if you had the Giants pick there at number two between well, Barkley and uh, a really good tackle? Well, knowing Dave Gettleman from his time in Carolina, he always goes for the offensive lineman. And I think he's going to go offensive lineman. Even though he knows he probably needs a running back, I think he believes one thing he always did was believe in a strong line on both sides of the ball. So it's probably if there's a, if there's a uh, offensive lineman that's good enough to be number two, he will go number two. If there's not a good offensive lineman, uh, he'll probably go uh, Saquon Barkley. But it's going to be one of those things where where it's going to pretty much sit on sit on the um on his shoulders, but knowing the tendencies that he's had in Carolina, I could see him going offensive line as a priority. And then I see offensive line at first, a quarterback actually over a running back, even if it's in the later rounds, and then the best player available. So we shall see. Okay. Now, of course, at the Combine, there's always some crazy talk. And this year, the crazy talk is centered around Lamar Jackson and people having the asinine thought that some teams want him to work out at wide receiver. Now, every year, of course, if you listen to this podcast, I'm pretty sure you understand the jig that comes out surrounding every talented black young quarterback that goes into the Combine. There's always some reason why he should change position and not be a quarterback. And these guys 
lately, thankfully, most of them have stuck to their guns and, you know, been quarterbacks and made teams as quarterbacks. You had Terrell Pryor, who, you know, made a position change to wide receiver. But for the most part, these guys have, you know, pretty much stuck with being quarterbacks. And, you know, they've, you know, have pretty good results. I mean, we've had our share of misses here or there, but that goes with, you know, any team and, and quarterback selection. So just talk about the craziness surrounding Lamar Jackson. And uh, just, you know, he said that, you know, his position is quarterback. That's what he knows how to play. And that's what he's going to play. And, you know, any team who has a problem with that should probably not even consider him on their draft board or uh, work him out. So uh, your thoughts on Lamar Jackson and the people who want him to be a receiver. You're still on mute, Dwayne. Sorry. Okay. So I am I am impressed with Lamar Jackson's um standing his ground, saying, Hey, this is who I am. I'm a quarterback. And just take it or leave it. Like I'm not like why why does he have to conform to change, you know? I know there's People who did do it, Cordell Stewart, Antonio Randoel. Uh, you have Mohamed Sanu, who played quarterback. He can still play quarterback because he threw a touchdown this season on on a trick play. So, yeah, it's, oh, it's okay, but, you know, you do have the Cam Newtons who, who is a, you know, 6'5", 285 quarterback. Like, how can you not? How can you not um, put him a quarterback? I know you won't. I know he would make a good tight end, but he doesn't. Is he's a quarterback? And it's the same with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson put up some wild numbers. I think in some cases he should have been. He should have got more votes for his second straight Heisman, but Louisville didn't do as well this season as they did the year before. So that's. Well, there are factors in that Heisman voting that went to Baker Mayfield, but I just see the fact that this is the stigma. I know people think, okay, what if he's another Deshaun Kaiser or Robert Griffin III? What if he's uh, a bust? He's not either one of those guys. He's Lamar Jackson. He's a quarterback, and he shouldn't be trying to change who he is. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize, hey, well, maybe this guy is a quarterback. We just need to treat him like a quarterback and go from there. Right. It's, it's you know, the same thing with Deshaun Watson last year. You know, people question, you know, can they do it? Uh, they're not in the pro offense. You know, they have a million excuses for why the black kid can't play quarterback. And, you know, the marginal white kid, you know, tons of them get through every year. You know, it's just the way that they kind of keep the position as the all-American quarterback. And it's another reason why they don't, you know, want to open up the NFL to more of the college-style offense. Because if they do that, then they open it up to more black quarterbacks being able to, you know, prove themselves and being worthy of the position. So, you know, it's just another form of racism and stereotypes that they use to try to, you know, keep the position at a certain level. 
and, you know, it's worked. And, you know, thankfully more coaches are starting to embrace the college style um, offense. And I think that's going to open it up for more guys like Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson and Cam and quarterbacks of that type to, you know, be successful in the NFL, regardless of what the scouts and quote unquote experts say before they get drafted and have a chance to show what they can do on Sundays. Agreed. All right. So now we'll move on to our final topic this week. It's getting uh, very close to that time of the year. Everybody's favorite time of the year is officially March. So beware the Ides of March. And that means NCAA tournament time. But before we get there, we have the end of the regular season, conference championships and conference tournaments. We had our first NCAA tournament ticket punched as Murray State won the Ohio Valley Conference tournament and they are going to be the first teams to go dancing this year in the you know the grid of 68 as we have our you know new format we've had the past few years so we had a you know big game happen last night over in Durham unfortunately the wrong shade of blue was victorious as Duke uh, avenged their earlier loss with a 10 point lead 74-64 over my beloved UNC Tar Heels. A tough week for the Tar Heels. I was in person on Tuesday night when uh, Miami dropped a, you know, 40-footer at the buzzer to beat them. And then uh, this game against our uh, heated rivals. Good first half, horrible second half. Uh, Marvin Bagley uh, really dominated. It was dominant there in the second half. And Wendell Carter, a little help from Grayson Allen. Some timely uh, three-point shots from Gary Trent Jr., And uh, North Carolina just didn't really show much on offense there in the second half. And Duke was able to basically make a 20-point turnaround there. And I got the 10-point win. So hats off to them. Congrats to them. Uh, Xavier, they won the Big East, um, which is surprising to a lot of people because I know that, you know, Villanova has been so good for the past few years. And they've been, you know, the best team in that conference. But uh, Xavier found a way to get it done. So let's just talk about those two games right quick. Um, you know, Duke, uh, your thoughts on them, and then Xavier pulling off and uh, the winning the Big East. Yeah, the one thing about the Duke UNC game, I I just looked at the store and I saw the UNC was up by eleven. I was like, okay, they look like they're in control, and then life happened, and Duke came back in. And won the game by ten. So, uh, like you said, it was a uh, apparently a great first half, horrible second half, um, and so it was just a uh, one of those things where, I mean, either team was involved in the ACC title hunt. Virginia was a clear runaway there. Uh, was a rough week for North Carolina, but you know they got the. ACC tournament, and of course, anything can happen in the month of March, and and um, you know, I really can't talk. Kansas lost by eighteen. I'll throw that in there to Oklahoma State. The first time uh, a team has swept the regular season from Kansas in the Bill Self era, so it's taken fifteen years for that to happen. Um, but in a sense, Kansas had nothing to play for, really. I mean, they won the Big 12 title at Texas Tech. They won it outright versus Texas. So this game was virtually meaningless for the Jayhawks. It was more of a benefit for the Big 12 to get another team in the tournament. 
Um, and let's talk, Xavier, for them winning the Big East, dethroning Villanova, because Villanova's won every single conference title since the Big East um, was reorganized, I'll put it like that. I mean, we know that the Big East uh, we all grew and fell in love with, but this was a good... This was a good run by Xavier. This has been one of their best seasons ever. Uh, highest ranking ever at number three. They'll probably be at number two going into the conference tournaments. And hats off to them. I always, I always pick Xavier in the tournament to make a deep run in the tournament because they're always a sure bet. So it's always good to see them succeeding in the regular season like this. And, uh, win their first Big East Conference title in the regular seasons. Quite a remarkable accomplishment, especially with Villanova's stranglehold on that on that conference. Right. Um, I think that what's going on right now in college basketball is that you have this thing where you have like the Dukes and Kentucky, really not, not much so Kentucky this year, but really just I think Duke is really suffering this more than most teams, is that you have so many one and dones year after year after year that you kind of push your um, your returning players down a little bit. And if you can't and, and for the players to be one and done, they have to be featured. And so if you have a person like a Grayson Allen on your team, he he's a senior. He probably should have went, you know, to NBA a couple of years ago. That's, you know, another conversation. But now his senior year, he has to defer and change his whole game to make sure that Mark, Marvin Bagley can be one and done. And so you saw that when uh, he was out, Marvin Bagley, that Duke began to play a little bit better because Grayson Allen played a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, it's, it's kind of herky jerky. Like last night, you can still kind of see where they're kind of like, instead of playing together, they're kind of like taking turns where it was like Grayson Allen was kind of the guy in the first half. And then the second half, he kind of switched over to Bagley. So, you know, I think that's kind of what's going on with college basketball right now is that you, you don't have getting these bigger teams with chemistry issues. And so these teams that have the mid-major teams or the teams that are got guys that stick together for three seasons, four seasons are able to make deeper runs. And that's where the Xavier's and the Villanova's and those teams now and the Purdue's and these teams are in Virginia's are now cracking into your top five and your top tens where, you, you know, they would usually be the teens type teams in years past because now they have better chemistry and players who have three years of that coaching where, you know, Hey, Marvin Bagley's only going to get one year of Coach K. I'd love to see what he'd be in two more seasons with Coach K, you know, but to get defensively, get better, work on his free throws, get stronger, you know, the things that you used to do in college that, mm-hmm. you know, most kids don't do anymore. So I got one more question, though, concerning uh, your conference that you take a great um, interest in, the Big 12. Who's going to be the player of the year? I know Bill Self was um, lobbying for Graham over uh, Mr. Young out in Oklahoma you know, basically counting for the substance over the style. Um, so what's your take on it? That's a very good question, and I want to try to be unbiased here. So uh, if we do look at the wins and the fact that, you know, who has the conference title, you give it to Devontae Graham, who's been very, very consistent. And as Trey Young, who started off hot, got cooled down, 
it was Devontae Graham who's been consistent all along. But if you look at stats, though, and, the, and most of the time player of the year awards are based on the numbers, you got to give it to Trey Young. And would I love to see Devontae Graham win it? Absolutely. But Trey Young has been lights out. Oklahoma started finding a way to win again uh, late. And I think I I even was thinking in my head, you know, last night, like maybe this last weekend of the season may determine the conference player of the year uh, because – and if you want to do it by win share, Oklahoma won and Kansas lost. So um, I would love for Graham to win, but I can't see. I'd be highly surprised if he did, kind of like how I was highly surprised that Kansas won the Big 12 this year, um, considering it looked very bleak for most of the season. And so maybe they got one more miracle out in their hands. But um these two teams may play again in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, they'll have Bedlam Part 3 in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, and then the winner of that game plays Kansas. So we may get to see Young and Graham again, or we may get to see Oklahoma try, Oklahoma State try to uh, beat Kansas for a third time this season. Uh, if Oklahoma State beats Kansas three times this season, I don't think their coach is going to be their coach anymore for like another year or two because that would be fantastic. He's like a first-year or second-year coach, right? First-year coach, Mike Boynton, yeah. um, because Brad Underwood was the coach at Oklahoma State, but he bolted to Illinois after one season. So Mike Boynton is uh, definitely a rising star. I mean, to already beat Kansas twice is remarkable because nobody's ever done that. And – so he yeah, had to beat him three times. Not only would he, not only should he get any kind of consideration for coach of the year, he should get that should get definitely get Oklahoma State in the tournament, right? Uh, because you beat the Big Twelve champions not once, not twice, but thrice. And you know, I just hope they they do well. I mean, he's a former player. He's only thirty four. Played at South Carolina and. And, uh, you know, for a young black coach at a major school, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, Mike Boynton and uh, Kevin Keith, definitely uh, two coaches, two young black coaches who have done really good jobs uh, their first year on the job. Kevin Keats over at North Carolina State is going to get them back into the NCAA tournament this year. He beat Duke and Carolina. He also beat Arizona early in the season when Arizona was in the top five. Uh, I think they were number two in the country when that happened. So, you know, um, you know, he's really got the people over in Raleigh excited uh, for basketball going forward with him. So, yeah, two guys that you definitely need to uh, look out for, Mike Boynton and Kevin Keats. Now, another guy who was the coach who was in the hottest of seats last week came out and basically said, hey, man, it wasn't me. He said, ESPN got it wrong. The FBI ain't got me on no tapes talking about giving no cash over to DeAndre Aiton to get him into uh, Arizona. So Sean Miller sat out one game, and then this week he had a press conference and said that he's coming back. He's going to be coaching the side on the sidelines the rest of the season. And, you know, Arizona basically gets their investigation, and they agreed with their coach, and they don't have any problem with it. So 
um, another twist in this uh, story. So uh, somebody's not telling the truth here, Dwayne. Uh, who do you believe, the FBI or Sean Miller? Well, I don't believe either one, but until the truth comes out, I'm going to go with Sean Miller. I, you know, he did the right thing. He, in terms of sitting out a game, and you know, kind of just like, hey, I don't want this to take away from my players. I'll sit out. I'll take a step back. And then, you know, now that you took the step back, it's time for you to fight back. And so you have a right to clear your name until, you know, the process is done and either you're guilty or innocent. I mean, so as of right now, you just got to, go through with the process and Arizona's evidently sticking by their guy. And, and so now you just have to wait and see some, like you said, somebody's lying. I mean, I can't trust the FBI. I can't trust Sean Miller, but you know, at the end of the day, you just gotta, you know, see how it plays out. Sean Miller says it wasn't me. And, you know, We'll find out if it was you. We'll find out who was truly lying, who was telling the truth. And and for Sean Miller's sake and his coaching career and for Arizona's sake, I hope it is him that's telling the truth. So we'll just have to wait and see. But it's going to be something to get your popcorn ready and and uh, watch, watch um, very closely. Yeah, this is definitely going to uh, be a fight to the finish because with Sean Miller holding that press conference and being so defiant against the FBI, it definitely ramped up everything around it because it basically put ESPN in a bad light. It put the FBI in a bad light. Um, you know, Arizona, like you said, you know, they're kind of in fight back mode now. Um, after they've kind of, you know, uncovered their own facts and done their kind of investigation of it. So, yeah, this is definitely going to be something uh, through the summer to definitely keep an eye on uh, what the FBI comes out with next. You know, what they come out with next will be probably the telling blow in, Mm -hmm. you know, who's on the right side of what here. So, Right. And not just for Sean Miller, but for many other schools and, as well and former players and things like that right so you know timing is everything so probably look for something during the tournament maybe around the final four or maybe that last weekend in the tournament for the fbi to kind of just be like oh here's something we could conveniently put out there for y'all to talk about right so at this point, just want to let everybody know that Notice Score this week is being brought to you by Amazon.com. Visit our website, www.cspn.us. Scroll down to where it says, help keep the podcast free. Underneath that, click on Amazon and do your shopping as you normally would. And some of your purchase comes back to support all the podcast here on CSPN and helps keep Notice Score free each and every week. So, Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. At this point, Dwayne, I'm going to open it up for your final thoughts, thank yous, or uh, a topic that we didn't uh, talk about that you'd like to shed some light on. Okay, well, of course, uh, 
Shout out to our friend um, for the CSPN, Mo Reese. It's his birthday today, so happy birthday to him. Enjoy my brother and chill. And so I also want to say shout out to my mother, my father, always listening, always supporting. Thank you. Um, I do want to talk about, uh, let's go across the pond to... Uh, the English Premier League. Uh, we already have the champions elect, Manchester City, who's uh, 15 points ahead of second place Liverpool with only like 10 games to play. So uh, Manchester City is at least going to get a double winning the League Cup and the Premier League. But um, it's going to be fun to watch uh, next Saturday because. Uh, an old rivalry is renewed between Liverpool and Manchester United. Pretty much kind of like two squads, two fan bases that absolutely loathe each other. And hopefully we'll get an entertaining game. Uh, the first game was a draw at Anfield, so we'll see how it goes at Old Trafford. And shout out to uh, Liverpool. Stay in the course through a whole lot of um, controversial moves and bad play to, you know, stabilize themselves and get to second in the Premier League. All right. I don't really have a, a final thought, so I'm just going to give some shout outs. Just give a shout out to the Libra icon, Dwayne, for joining me this week. Give a shout out to uh, Nabias Wilbon, and also give a shout out to That So Jesse. Give a shout out to uh, Jamal and Post Production and everybody on the CSPN. And, uh, you know, thank you guys for listening. So, for the Libra icon, Dwayne, I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the school.